how many excited to be here today? Come on. I am excited to see you today. In fact, nudge your neighbor. Tell them trick or treat. Just see if they'll give you some candy. Come on. Just try it out. Trick or treat. Nudge your other neighbor. If that didn't work, try it on the other side, right? Hey, we're so glad you are here today and you are in for a treat. No tricks here. Come on. See what I did there, right? I work hard on this stuff. And we're so glad, though, that you are here today. What an honor it is to be here to worship with our LifeGate Church family, those that are joining us online. We're so thrilled that you joined us here today as well. So excited about what God is doing here at LifeGate Church as we continue in this series that we started last week saying, I'm all in. So everybody say, everybody with me today on the count of three. I want everybody to say with everything you got, like you really are all in. I'm all in. Ready? One, two, three. Oh, that was pretty good, but I think the first service did better, so I think we could do better in this one. You ready? All right, on the count of three. One, two, three. I'm all in, and man, this is really what we're all about here at LifeGate. This is really more than a series. In fact, this is actually one of our core values here at LifeGate, that everything that we do, whether it be in our worship, whether it be in our serving, whether it be in our relationships, whether it be our love for each other and for the community, whether it be in our giving, like in everything that we do, that we are a people that say, hey, we are all in for everything that God has for us and everything that he wants to do in our church and in our lives, and it's more than in a series. It's actually a lifestyle that we live of being people that are just saying, hey, whatever God you want me to do, my answer is yes, because I am a person who is all in. And so all year long, all the time, we are all in. But around this time of year, we actually take a little bit of time to just pause a little bit and think about what does it mean to be all in and what is God saying for us about being all in in this season of our church. And so all in is kind of a vision casting kind of a series. It's when we say, hey, this is what God is doing now and what he wants to do in the coming year. And so last week we kicked this off and we talked about being all in for the future. So everybody say, for the future for the future. Here's what we believe that as we wrap up 2021 and go into 2022, that God is calling us in this season of our church to be all in for the future. And we said it like this, that we don't just want to have memories, like we want to have dreams. We don't want our memories to be greater than our dreams. It's incredible what God has done in the past, but we believe that God has greater things in store for us in the future. Come on, how many believe that today, right? Like that the best is yet to come. And so we just said, man, we're going to be people who are all in, not just for right now, but we are all in for the future. God use us to pour into, be intentional about pouring into the next generation to see what God wants to do through us in the future, right? In fact, I'd like to illustrate it kind of a little bit like this. Uh, help me out back there, media team. Put, put that picture up on, uh, on the screen there for us. How many have ever seen one of these before? Come on. Lots of hands that are raised up in the air. Come on, this on a, in the 90s and in the early 2000s, this was the Friday night jam. You know what I'm saying? Like, I ain't got nothing to do, but I got $3 and a Blockbuster card. Come on, right? And so we could go to one of these, and they had one of these on every single corner, it just seems like, growing up, like they were, they were everywhere. In fact, this was like, you had other ones, you know, you had like Hollywood videos and stuff, but Blockbuster was the place, you know what I'm saying? And so you could go, and you could get you a VHS tape. <laughs> of just about any movie that you want. Some of you are like, what's a VHS tape? Yeah, this series is for you. We're all in for you if you don't know what a VHS tape is, right? 
And so, like, you, I mean, they had VHS, they anything. In fact, I looked it up. Like, this Blockbuster was one of the biggest companies in, uh, in the, oh, the, the world, actually, during that time. I found out, as I did a little study, that uh, in the height of Blockbuster, they had over 9,000 video rental stores in the United States. They had over 84,000 employees. They had 65 million registered customers. That means 65 million people had a card, a card-carrying member, come on, to Blockbuster, right? And I mean, they were the biggest thing uh, around. Now, help me out here today. How many of you can tell me where uh, you can find a Blockbuster today? Uh, There's one, actually. There's actually a, uh, a Netflix documentary called The Last Blockbuster. Have you seen, anybody seen that? And there's one in all of America, there's one in Oregon now, and it's really, really more of a tourist attraction than anything else. Like, it really is. It really is. And like the, the company that was one of the biggest companies in all of America, and here we are now, like you can't, you can't find one, right? Help me out with another one. Put that other picture up there, guys. How many of you remember this place? Come on, how many remember this place? How many, how many of you could sing this song? Come on, let me hear you. I don't wanna grow up, I'm a Toys R Us kid. I don't remember the rest of it, right? How many remember this place? Like, and you remember Jeffrey, the scary, you know, giraffe? And they had every kind of toy you could even imagine. I mean, like at Christmas time, when it was time to make the list, it was like this, we're going to get it. Which, by the way, let me just say this, Christmas doesn't start till after Thanksgiving. <laughs> Thank you very much, Pastor Colton. <laughs> but when Christmas time came or when it was like time for, for gifts or whatever, like kids, like you could go there and they had all kinds of toys. Like this was like, they had these stores every and it was the biggest thing in toy distribution and all that kind of stuff for parents and for kids and all that. Now, how many, how many of you can tell me where you can find a Toys R Us today? You can't find one. And I'll tell you why you can't find one. Because in 2018, they went bankrupt and they closed down all their stores. Pretty crazy. Like the biggest toy store in America no longer exists. Now, you might be saying, well, pastor, what is the point of all this? It's fun, but I don't understand the point. Well, here's the point. And the point is this, just because something was at one time thriving doesn't mean that it will always be thriving. Just because something was at one time successful doesn't necessarily mean that it will always be successful. Just because something was of value to one generation doesn't mean that it will carry over to the next generation. In fact, this is what Solomon was talking about in this passage that I want to see for just a moment in Proverbs chapter 27 and verse number 23. Look what he says. He says to his son, be sure you know the condition of your flocks and give careful attention to your herds for riches do not endure what? Say this word, for forever and a crown, look at these words, is not secure for all generations. What was Solomon saying? Solomon was saying, just because something is thriving right now doesn't necessarily guarantee that it will always be thriving. Just because something is of value or is successful now doesn't necessarily mean that it will always be successful, that a crown is not secure for all generations. And when you think about that, you think about Blockbuster or you think about Toys R Us, you think about the implications of what Solomon is saying in this passage and the implications are 
huge when it comes to what God has called us to do as a church. When you think about what this means for our nation, but not just what it means for our nation, what it means for our next generation of people, uh, of churchgoers, man, this is huge that just because something is a value in our generation doesn't necessarily mean that it will be a value to the next generation. Just because we love the Lord doesn't necessarily mean that the next generation will love and know the Lord unless we are intentional. Let's be intentional about it. We can't just assume that our kids are going to know the Lord the way that we know the Lord. We can't just assume that our grandkids are going to grow up to love church and to love God's house and to love God's word and to follow God's ways. We can't just assume that we will always be a Christian nation. Come on, we can't just assume that people will just wake up on Sunday mornings and say, hey, Sunday is church day. No, we have to be intentional about saying the things that are important to us, we have to pass them down to the next generation. Otherwise, we might wind up going the way of Blockbuster or going the way of Toys R Us. Come on. I'm getting a little fired up about this today because I'm passionate about what God has called us to do. He's called us to be a people who would pass down to the next generation, that we would be all in for the future, all in for the next generation. And so that's why during this campaign, during this season, like we have this campaign every year and we have a different focus every year, but during this year, our focus is investing in the next generation for the future. That's why last week we talked to you about what that might look like and what our kids areas actually could look like as we make an investment into our children and into our youth. We talked to you about how we want to make this room right here like full time all the time. We want our youth to take over this room that we're sitting in every single Wednesday night. That way they have the advantage of all the stuff that we have the advantage of here. They got the lights and they got the cameras and they got the screens and our kids, which by the way, we saw some of our students up here helping to lead us in worship today, that we are investing in them, that we don't just wait till they're adults until they can get on the worship team. No, we train them up. And part of that training up is that they have this stage every single Wednesday night. They learn how to use the equipment. They learn how to lead. They learn how to do those things. Like we want to be intentional about investing into our students. And at the same time, we want to be intentional about investing into our children. In fact, they, they're going to scroll a couple pictures on the screen. We, get, we gave you a video last week, but we'll just give you a couple of, of pictures of, of what it might look like if we could reimagine and remodel what our kids' areas look like as a way of investing into the next generation and into our children and, and just going, hey, man, how many would think that when a kid or a parent walks into these areas, they go, wow, you know, they care about me here, Right. And so we just said, hey, how could we invest intentionally into the next generation? I know it's just a building, but it's, it's also a statement to say this matters to us as a church. And I challenged you last week to just say, hey, what could we do as a church? What could you do to invest financially into the campaign? And how could you invest like in, in your time and in all the different ways into the, into the campaign? Now, one thing that I wish I would have done last week is just kind of balanced it out a little bit. I get so passionate about this stuff. And so it just kind of, oh, it comes out sometimes. And so I was a little strong on saying, hey, you know, everybody give or whatever. Hey, here's the deal. Some of you are not, not a follower of Christ yet. Some of you are just checking out church, all that kind of stuff. That's, that's not for you. This, you know, this is for... It's for the people in the house to saying, I'm all in to pass this on to the next generation, right? So if you're new to the church, hey, we're not expecting you to give towards this. But man, if you're a part of the, the, the church and the kingdom and you're going, hey, we want to be all in for the next generation, right? And why? Because we think it matters. I believe with all of my heart that the next generation of leaders, 
of people who will lead this church, of people who will lead churches across America. The next, the next wave of pastors, youth pastors, kids pastors, small groups pastors, the next, the next wave of pastors council members and life group leaders and, and those who will serve with life kids. and Like they're already in the church right now. Remember last week we talked about how 2050 is a lot closer than you think, and it seems like that's a long ways, 29 years, but guess what? It'll go faster than you think. And 29 years from now, the kids who are, who are youth and kids right now will be the ones who are 35 and 45 years old. They're going to be the ones standing on this stage leading this church into, the, into what God has for us. And we have to be intentional right now. We can't wait until then and go, okay, now. No, no. We have to start right now saying, hey, I understand that the crown is not secure for all generations. That just because something thrives right now doesn't mean it will be thriving in the next generation unless I make the decision, we make the decision to be people who say, I'm all in to use all that I have to invest into a generation that doesn't know the Lord or invest in a generation that is going to raise up to be the people that God has called them to be to make a difference. Amen? And that's what we're talking about. In fact, it reminds me of this kind of this story that I want to look at for the rest of the message today. It's actually found in 1 Samuel chapter 3. It's actually for some, maybe if you grew up in church, it's probably a familiar story. For others, uh, maybe it's not. But for me, it's very familiar because I learned this story in kids' class, you know, in, in a Sunday school when I was growing up. It's about a guy's name is Samuel. And it's about, it's about really a young person that God begins to speak to and work through. In fact, we find it in 1 Samuel chapter 3 and verse number 1. If you want to open up there on your phone, follow on the screen. Let's read it together. It says, the boy Samuel ministered before the Lord under Eli. And in those days, the word of the Lord was rare. There were not very many visions. And one night, Eli, whose eyes had become so weak that he could barely see, was lying down in his usual place. And the lamp of God had not yet, not yet gone out. And Samuel was lying down in the house of the Lord where the ark of God was. And the Lord called Samuel. And Samuel answered, here I am. And he ran to Eli and said, here I am. You call me. But Eli said, I did not call you. Go back and lie down. So he went back and lay down. Again, the Lord called Samuel. And Samuel got up and went to Eli and said, here I am. You called me. My son, Eli, said, I did not call you. Go back and lie down. Now Samuel did not yet know the Lord, and the word of the Lord had not yet been revealed to him. A third time the Lord called Samuel. And Samuel got up and went to Eli and said, Here I am, you called me. Then Eli realized that the Lord was calling the boy. So Eli told Samuel, go and lie down. And if he calls you again, say, speak, Lord, your servant is listening. So Samuel went and lay down in his place. And the Lord came and stood there calling as at the other time, Samuel, Samuel. Then Samuel said, speak, Lord, for your servant is listening. Now, very familiar story for many of us. Like, I, I loved this story when I was growing up in Sunday school. One of my favorites, but here's what I think is that it's not just a, a story for kids. 
It's not just a Sunday school story. In fact, I believe there are some valuable things that we can learn from this story about what it looks like to be people who are all in for the next generation and why we should be all in for the next generation. In fact, as I was studying through this story, I really just saw three things. So if you, if you want to take notes, you can write these three things down today. And the first one that we, we can see from this story is this, is that God speaks to young people. God speaks to young people. Now, here's the thing. God speaks to all people. God is, how many believe this? God is a speaking God. That God didn't just speak in the Bible, but he wants to speak today. Like he has a word for us today. And we see all through the Bible that God is a speaking God. In fact, the scripture talks about in Isaiah 55 and verse 11, he says, So my word will be that goes forth from my mouth and it will not return empty, but it will accomplish that which I purpose. He goes, basically, he says, hey, I'm a speaking God and I have a word to speak and it will go forth from my mouth and it will do what I want it to do because I am a speaking God, right? God is a God who speaks. But here's the thing that I want us to understand is that his voice is not limited by age. That the same God that can speak to you and me as an adult can also speak to a child. That God is not limited to to just speaking in big church on Sunday morning. But that same God can also speak in kids' church and in the nursery and in Life Kids Junior and in youth on Wednesday night. Like the same God who speaks to us wants to speak to our kids. He's not limited by age. In fact, I like what somebody said one time. They said, there's no such thing as a junior Holy Spirit. Right? The same Holy Spirit that speaks to us wants to speak to them. And we see this in this passage. Samuel, at this time, most scholars think, was about 11 years old. When God spoke to him, 11 years old. Now think about that. It, it, we saw it in the passage that during this time that the word of the Lord was, was, was rare and that not many people were hearing God's voice and not many people were seeing visions. And yet in, that, in those moments of, of it being rare to hear from God, when God decided to speak, look who he chose to speak to, an 11-year-old little boy. Could it be that in this time and age that we live in today where it seems rare for God to be working and for God, could it be that the next wave of the power of God, could it be that the next great awakening might come through 11-year-old, 12-year-old, 9-year-old, 7-year-old, come on, little boys and little girls who would say, here I am, Lord, speak, for your servant is listening. And here's our job as a church. Our job is to create an environment where these children can hear God. Our job is to create a place where our children can be in the presence of God. That's our vision as a church, creating moments, changing lives. Our job is to create moments, to create environments where the children and the youth and the students would be in the, in the place where they could be there to hear the voice of God as God begins to speak to them. And so we got a job to do. In fact, as I look at this passage, there are some things that really matter when it comes to like creating an environment for children to hear and know the voice of God. I wrote down just four of them if you want to take them down in your notes. Letter A is this. Here's what matters. Family matters. Everybody say family matters. That's not just a show in the 90s, right? Like family, when it comes to the next generation knowing God, hearing his voice, being called, Guess where it starts? It starts in the home. It starts with the families. 
We talked about it last week that here's what this generation needs. They need an authentic example. They need a mom and a dad who know the Lord, who, love, who know how to hear the voice of the Lord, to teach them to hear the voice of the Lord. We talked about Deuteronomy chapter 6 that says these things are to be upon your heart and then you are to impress them upon your children. Guess what? Before you can impress them on children, you've got to have them impressed upon your heart. How can you raise up a, a generation of passionate Christ followers unless you are already a, a Christ follower that is passionate about doing what God called you to do? Some things are taught, but... Many things are only caught from us. And we see this in this passage. Like Hannah, Samuel's mom, was someone who was passionate about having what God wanted for her. Like if you back up a couple of chapters, what you find out is that before Samuel was born, his mom Hannah couldn't have children. And so she wanted so badly to have a child. And so she prayed with all that she had that, that she could have a child. You, you see that she was weeping and fasting and praying so much so that she was so desperate for, for God to work in her life that she told God, she said, if you'll just give me a child, then I will give him back to you. I will bring him back to the church and he will, his whole life will be dedicated to you. I mean, first of all, you know what that tells us? That tells us that our children are not ours. Come on, moms and dads, your kid's not yours. They, they have just been loaned to you. Like God has put them in your life, and it's your job to, to then steward them and disciple them and prepare them for what God. Come on, right? And so Hannah goes, Ed, if you'll give me a child, I'll, I'll give him back. And so she did get a child. And what did she do? She brought Samuel to the house of the Lord, and she gave him. He lived there, and he learned there, and he served there, and he grew up there. She followed through on what she said. I feel, God, if you'll give me a child, I'll dedicate him to you. In fact, this is where we get this practice that we do every so often. Last Sunday, we did it in this service where we dedicate parents, stand on this stage and say, I'm dedicating my children to the Lord. It comes from that story of Hannah. But I think sometimes I wonder how many of us as parents prayed and begged God, God, all I want is ch children. All I want is a family. God, man, if you'll give me a family, look, I'll serve you and I'll make sure my kids, kids are serving you. And then God gives us a kid or two or three in my case, you know. And we even maybe have a baby dedication. But we forget about the commitment we made. And instead of our kids and our family being dedicated to the house of the Lord, instead we're more dedicated to our soccer team. Or we're more dedicated to our sports team. Or we're more dedicated to whatever it is that we dedicate ourselves to. And we were the ones that were like, God, if you'll just give me a family, then we'll dedicate our family to the house of the Lord. And then he gives us a family and we're dedicated to everything else. Come on, right? God wants to speak to our kids, but we've got to, like, moms and dads, it matters. We create the environment for them to be able to experience the presence of God, which leads me to the second thing. It's not just the family that matters. There is the, the fact that frequency, everybody say frequency. Frequency matters. Like, where, did, where was Samuel when God spoke to him? He was in God's house. And why was he in God's house? Because he lived there. Like, he didn't just go there once a week on a Sunday. He didn't just go there once a month on a Sunday. He was dedicated to God's, like, he lived there every single day. Now, some of you are going, that sounds pretty good, Pastor. Let's just bring our kids up to the church and let y'all deal with them, you know? <laughs> no, please don't do that. That's not what I'm saying. 
But I am saying that Samuel had opportunity to hear God's voice because he, had freak, he was frequently in his house close to the ark where God was, right? Guess what? If we want our children to experience the voice of God and understand and hear the voice of God, then we've got to frequently get them into environments where they're going to hear. And I'm not going to go too deep on this because I talked about it a lot last week, but I'm just telling you, like, it really does no good that we have, you know, kids programs and youth programs and all this kind of stuff for our, for our next generation. That doesn't help them at all unless mom and dad say, hey, I want to get them in that environment on a frequent basis. Family matters. Frequency matters. Environment matters. You guys thought I was going to do something that starts with an F. I tricked you right there, didn't I? Environment matters. Where was Samuel when God spoke to him? He was laying down. He was quiet. He was still. He didn't have any distractions. You know, remember we talked to you last week about how these kids these days are being raised by their phones, discipled by their screens? How can we expect them to, like, all the hours, what did I say it was last week, like four to six hours a day that's, that children are spending on their screens? How can they hear from God if they're so distracted by these devices that they're carrying around in their back pocket? Let me just say it like this. Forget the kids. Mom and dad, how are you going to hear from God if you don't ever have any environment, like a time when you're quiet and you're still and there's no distraction so you can hear from God? You've got to model that for the next generation, and then we've got to get them in environments. That's, that's why it's important to have them in church. It's why it's important to send them on missions trips and to camp and stuff like that because it gets them in an environment where they're, they're separated from the distractions that might keep them from hearing the voice of God. Family matters and frequency matters and environment matters. Notice this last one, which is so, so huge, and that is this. Teachers matter. God spoke to Samuel when he was 11 years old. But the Bible says that Samuel had not yet known the Lord and had not been yet revealed to him. So God was speaking to him, but he didn't know what it was until he went to Samuel, I mean to Eli. And he goes, somebody's talking to me. And Eli finally figured it out. This is what it is. And so Samuel would have never known that that was actually the Lord speaking to him if he didn't have Eli to teach him and to train him and to instruct him. And here's the deal, like, I believe God wants to speak to our teenagers, and he wants to speak to our children, and I believe he even wants to speak to our toddlers and our babies, but guess what? They're not going to know how to recognize the voice of God right off the bat. That's why they need, that's why they need people to model it for them. That's why they need teachers to instruct them and teach them and show them the way. That's why we got to know how to hear the, from the voice of God first, right, so that then we can teach and train them how to hear from the voice of God as well, Right? And notice a couple things about Eli, all right? It's interesting here. First of all, Eli was a dude. What I'm saying here is he is a guy. He's a man. Sometimes when, when we hear about, you know, man, you really should serve with our children, with, especially with our children. Here's what people think, especially guys. That's a girl's job. That's a lady's job. Hey, babe, you should go sign up for that and help with the... <laughs> right? Like we have this mentality. Serving in life, kids, is for the ladies. It's not a manly thing to do. But guess what? Samuel would have not known the voice of the Lord if he didn't have a man in his life to train him. And let me just say this. Tell you what our children need now, probably more than ever before, is father figures in their lives. 
men of God who will say, I know how to hear the voice of God, and I am willing to give of my time and invest into a next generation to be a small group leader or to, to, for the youth or to, or to go into, you know, the, into the life kids. And, like, I'm so thankful. We got some of, the, some of the coolest guys that serve in life kids. I mean, it's just amazing to see, like, when I see what Forrest and Jason and them are doing back there, I see Mr. Keith show up in his life kids shirt. And I'm like, yes, he's in there with, with my son. And he's teaching, like, like, that's what our students, that's what they need. Like, they need men. They'll say, man, I'm seeing it as my job because I know that just because something's thriving now doesn't mean it's going to thrive for every generation. So I'm going to make sure that the crown is secure for the next generation. And guess what else about Eli? is like Eli wasn't just a guy. Eli, Eli was a very imperfect guy. We look at him and we go, he was the, the priest, so you think he had it all together. But we're going to find out in just a minute, he didn't have it all together. He's pretty messed up. He had some shortcomings, and yet God chose to use him to develop Samuel into the next prophet of God. And guess what? Some of you might go, I don't know if God can use me because I've got a past or I don't have it all figured out. And I got some, but let me just tell you, God wants to use you not later, right here and right now, if you will say, I'm all in to be used by God. God speaks to young people. But then notice the second thing is this, is that not only does God speak to young people, but God speaks through young people. In fact, check it out. Samuel goes back and lays down and goes, okay, Lord, here I am. And God speaks to him. And notice what God says in verse number 11, a very grown-up message. Sometimes we think the kids can't get it. They don't understand it. No, this kid's 11 years old. And listen to the message that he gets. And the Lord says to Samuel, see, I'm about to do something in Israel that will make your ears and everyone who hears it tingle. At that time, I will carry out against Eli everything I spoke against his family. From the beginning to the end, for I told him that I would judge his family forever because the sin that he knew about, his sons blasphemed God, and he failed to restrain them. Therefore, I swore to the house of Eli, the guilt of Eli's house will never be atoned for by sacrifice or offering. Samuel lay down until morning and then opened the doors of the house of the Lord, and he was afraid to tell Eli the vision. How many would think that's a pretty thing? I don't really, I'd be afraid to go tell him too, right? God's going to judge your family, right? And look what it says, but Eli called him and said, Samuel, my son. Samuel answered, here I am. What was it that God said to you, Eli said? Do not hide it from me. May God deal with you ever so severely if you hide from me anything that that God told you. Verse 18, so Samuel told him everything, hiding nothing from him. Then Eli said, he is the Lord. Let him do what is good in his eyes. Now think about this. Here's an 11-year-old little boy. God speaks this message to him and as he doesn't just speak to him he actually works through him to speak to Eli to share with him to communicate with him some stuff that was going to be difficult for Eli to hear but stuff that was going to impact not just Eli but the entire nation of Israel and God spoke that through an 11 year old little boy See, that's the way God works. He doesn't just speak to young people. He wants to speak through young people. He wants to work through young people. In fact, we see this this precedent all throughout the scripture. You think about all the way back with David before he was ever a king. He was just a young teenage little boy when God called him to be the king, when God used him to defeat Goliath. He was just a young boy. Like you think about as you go through into the New Testament and the disciples, when Jesus called them, most scholars think that they were probably uh, around 17, 18 years old, just teenagers that Jesus called to follow him. And through that calling, they would change the world. 
You think about the little boy. All he had was five loaves and two fish, and he brought it, and he gave it to God, and God used it to feed 5,000 people. You think about Mary, the mother of Jesus. When the angel appeared to her, she was, most scholars say, only about 16 years old. And through that little 16-year-old, the Savior of the world would be born, and all the world would be changed forever. Let me just tell you something today. God wants to work through our young people. And if you're a young people in this uh, room today, I'm going to tell you, God wants to use you. And you, you're not ever going to be, you know, oh, if I'm just a little older, if I have a little more experience, or I, I, I'm more, a little more spiritual. No, you're not ever going to be old enough. You're not ever going to be experienced enough. You're not ever going to be ready. You just got to step out into what God has called for you right now. And I think about myself. I was 19 when I started out in full-time ministry as a youth pastor. We had kids in our youth group that were same age as me, you know. And here I am leading them. I was just dumb enough to think maybe God could use me even though I'm 19 years old. I remember when I became a lead pastor, I was 24 years old. Amber was 21 years old. We were so full of wisdom and experience (laughs) to just pour out on everyone. (laughs) We had board members that were twice our age, you know what I'm saying? Like three times our age, like we had no clue what we were doing, but we just had enough childlike faith to just think maybe God could use us as well. And I tell you, he did. He used us in a powerful way. And guess what? That's what Jesus wants from all of us, that we would just have childlike faith. That might be why God uses young people in the way that he does, because they just believe. When God speaks, they just believe. They just have a childlike faith. They don't have all of this stuff to kind of temper their beliefs and cause them to doubt like we have and the way that we experience as adults. I I just got to tell you, like I was a whole lot more confident in my call when I was 19 than I am now when I'm 45. Because you got all this experience. And God goes, no, no, no. And maybe I just want to use you right there where you're at. In fact, I want you to be an example. Everybody say example. Like this is what Paul was saying to Tim- Timothy. Look what he says in 1 Timothy chapter 4 and verse 12. Don't let anyone look down on you because you are what? Because you are young. But do what? But set the example for the believers in speech and conduct and love and faith and impurity. What was Paul saying? I think Paul was saying... But children aren't supposed to be back in the back somewhere where nobody sees them. They're supposed to be right up front and center to be the example for everyone to follow their childlike faith. That's why at least once a month you'll see teenagers up here leading worship with us. It's why once a year we give the whole service over to our next-gen takeover because we're just saying, hey, we're not going to set them in the back. We're going to put them right up on the front and let them be the example. And I'll tell you, they will do it. If you've ever been here on a worship night, on a Sunday night, you'll see the whole front of this building filled with teenagers worshiping God with abandon, with all that they have. They're setting the example for us as adults. Come on, right? That God doesn't just speak to young people. He works and speaks through young people, which leads me to my third thing, and that is this, that God has called the church to young people. See, Samuel didn't just stay a young person. Samuel grew. In fact, let's, let's look at what it says in verse, four, uh, verse 19 uh, in the Living Bible. It says, as Samuel grew, the Lord was with him. 
And people listened carefully to his advice. And all Israel from one end of the land to the other knew that Samuel was going to be a prophet of the Lord. And the Lord began to give messages to him there in the tabernacle in Shiloh. Here's, here's this 11-year-old little boy, but he didn't stay 11-year-old little boy. He grew and he became a prophet. And people listened to what he had to say. And God used him in powerful ways. And guess what? That's our job as a church that God has called us to take 8-year-old little boys and 10-year-old little girls and little kids in the nursery and young people on Wednesday nights in LGY and invest in them and pour into them and disciple them and teach them and show them and train them so that they can grow up like Samuel did so that they can be the next prophets so that they can be the next evangelists so that they can be the next pastors and youth pastors and worship pastors and and next steps pastors and whatever kind of pastors you're talking about like we're not just talking about they're going to be little kids forever no 2050 is closer than we think and so we got a job to do to invest in them and pour into them so that they can raise up to be what God has called them to be. Oh, pastor, we can't be focused so much on the next generation. Like they take up too much time and they cost too much money and they don't give very much money and they make messes and they need a whole lot of volunteers. No, 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 no. They are the church of today, not just the church of tomorrow. The life of the church comes from these teenagers, from these kids, from these students, from these life kids. Oh, but pastor, you know, we can, like, when they get a little older and they can understand it, then we'll go after them. No, 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 it'll be too late then. In fact, statistics tell us this, that 70% of all conversions, 70% of all people that get saved do so before the age of 18. 70%. We can't wait. We got to start right now. Investing everything that we have. You know what that means? It means we got to be people that say, I'm all in. I'm all in. God, use my life to make a difference for the future because I know just because something's thriving now doesn't mean it will forever unless, unless we make the investment, unless we get intentional. What does that mean? For many of you, it might mean saying, hey, I'm going to pray about what God wants me to do financially towards this, towards this investment to the next generation. You know, we do a little thing around here. We say get, get involved in the plot. Be part of the story. The plot just stands for this. P is pray. Just pray. Just pray, what would God, God, what would you want me to do? How much would you want me to give? How would you want me to serve? What would you want me to use my talents for to help with these kids? Just pray. And as you pray, the L is listen. You just listen. And as you listen, I, I really believe God will speak to your heart. And as he does, then the O is just obey. Whatever God puts on your heart, just be obedient to that. And then sometimes he'll put something on your heart that's scary, and so that's why you need the T, and that is trust. I prayed, I listened. I'm willing to obey, and so now I'm going to trust. God's going to bring me through it. So some of you, God's going to speak to your heart to be a giver, to give financially. But guess what? It's not just about giving financially. It's really just about giving of ourselves. Some of you, God's going to speak to you to give financially, but then some of you, God's also going to speak to you about serving in Life Kids or being a small group host for LifeGate Youth. Maybe some of you single adults say, man, I want to, man, I want to, I want to be invested in serving young adults. Like whatever, maybe some of you grandparents, and you're going, man, you know, I could be retired and running around doing whatever I want to do, but instead what I'm going to do is I'm going to be here every Sunday and lead a small group for our life, life kids and invest in them every single, every week they show up and they go, hey, there's Grandpa Joe or whatever, you know. And you made an impact upon their life because you're just willing to say, like, whatever I got, God, 
I'm all in. Just like Samuel, who said, speak, Lord. Your servant is listening. Thank you for joining us online today. Make sure and hit subscribe to this channel and hit the bell for more notifications. We can't wait to engage with you this week.